2: Jeter. this is the yanks go yard podcast with adam weinrib and thomas carinante welcome on in to a monday post thanksgiving edition of the yanks go yard podcast i'm adam weiner alongside thomas carinante do we know anything more about the yankees and aaron judge than we did when we broke thanksgiving week that was a monday podcast it's been a whole week uh not really He scared everybody. He landed in San Francisco. He talked to Steph Curry. He had a productive day of meetings where Barry Bonds told him he had a beautiful smile. But is he any closer to joining a new team? I don't think we know that. Um, The people who said Yankees last week are still saying Yankees this week. The people who want you to believe there are more uh, teams up in the air for Judge are still pushing that narrative. So we just don't know. Is his free agency tour just a show? Is it a true showcase? Uh, We wish we could tell you, but we'll give you the latest on the Judge Chase Opening day, shortstop. Who's it going to be? Hal Steinbrenner has some takes. uh, And there's one key name currently being left out of the discussions. Plus a couple of hypothetical trades. We're still waiting for the winter meetings. When will it actually begin? And about 10 minutes before this podcast went live, the Houston Astros struck back and signed Jose Abreu, who, I don't know, might have been second place on their list behind Anthony Rizzo in terms of first base targets, if we're to believe them. What does that mean for Yuli Gurriel? Why will 36-year-old Jose Abreu become the next uh, Astros hitter to absolutely crush the Yankees during all clutch moments? Uh, He got a head start tattooing Chad Green into the left center seats last summer. That was fun. He killed us with the White Sox. He was a rumored Red Sox target, so I guess this is a little bit more fun, but barely. I I don't even know who I'm supposed to hate more anymore. Like, am I supposed to say thank God – X player didn't go to the Red Sox and went to the Astros instead, or has it now flipped where I'm supposed to be like, come on, Red Sox, take some Astros targets. I genuinely have no fucking idea. But honestly, I'm always <laughs> happy, always happy to see the Red Sox get free agency cucked, uh, especially in an offseason where they seem to think they have a lot of money to spend. They think they're in the Aaron Judge chase. Uh so far it doesn't seem like they are. We'll see though. Uh, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop a five-star review, along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple device, Android device, truly wherever. Unlike Elon Musk, we are not being de-platformed. We're going to be in the Apple App Store. Uh, you can find us there for the remainder of, of the week, of the year. Uh, uh, you know, probably not going to go anywhere, honestly. Uh, it might be off Twitter, but probably not going to go anywhere. Um, Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Aaron Judge, uh, home for the holidays. Spent his Thanksgiving in San Francisco winked at the camera, released some weird little video to John Morosi that made it very obvious. He had a PR push aligned with this trip home. You know, got any fun plans? We'll see. A little wink to the camera. Had a full day meeting. Several meetings apparently clustered into one day in San Francisco last week. I think took place on Tuesday, right? That was was Tuesday. Um, Reports out of San Francisco are they went well. Initial reports are the offer was fine. Nothing that you know in the ballpark but nothing that changed judges calculus and then jeff Passen came out basically on wednesday and said like yeah all signs important to judge being a yankee so you're reading ken rosenthal saying you know the assumption that it's just the yankees and giants is just that an assumption probably too soon to make that assumption but then you've got Passen who's not wavering at all just saying he's he's a yankees he's a yankee yankees need him more than they need anybody else he needs the yankees more than he needs these other teams and the Yankees are willing to outbid everybody else for his services anyway, so what's the point? Uh, assessing the temperature in the room after that successful day of Giants meetings where the momentum was still halted, where we're still hearing Judge Will sign before the end of the winter meetings, but he hasn't yet, and he made no moves over the weekend, what do you feel is, is the most likely outcome here?
3: Man, who are the bigger dopes, the people who were crying like the night we thought Twitter was going to go down, being like, hey, if this is the end, I just want to let you know I made some great friendships on here with at John 473. Lord. I don't have a phone. You can't reach me. This is the only <laughs> place where I could be talked to. Yeah,
2: okay. There's
3: no other possible way we can reach each other in the age of information. How are we gonna do this? Or the Yankees fans who were like, oh, okay, he's taking meetings now. Aaron Judge is taking free agency meetings. Don't know what we're gonna do, how we're gonna exist. Uh, they let it get to this point. So we might as well just, you know, jump off the GW and call it a day. Mm-hmm. This team's not going anywhere until anywhere till twenty twenty six. Um, look, we talked about it last week before this had even happened, uh, before, before that, that video was ridiculous. I mean, to me, well I'll get into more of how I feel about this whole free agency tour, uh, later on, but, um, assessing the temperature of it, this was always supposed to happen. Judge was going to enjoy free agency. Had he put forth a historic season, which is exactly what he did. Uh, he's earned the right to do it, which is what the Yankees front office and ownership had talked about, uh, leading up to, the proceedings and knowing that they probably weren't going to sign him before free agency after the pre-opening day talks didn't go their way. Uh, I like what I'm hearing elsewhere though. You look at the, you look at the giants. That's probably the number one threat, right? uh, Passin, uh Jeff passed appeared on uh, the Michael K show, which is what you were just talking about in terms of um, uh, him saying that all signs points and returning to the Yankees. There were also a couple of other good tidbits in there said the market for judge is not big, which we already knew, but, He said there was a chance it doesn't even materialize. And what does that mean? He specifically said that means the Dodgers probably won't be able to, uh, actually pay up. He said that he doesn't think they would go well beyond 200 million to sign judge, which means they're not going to sign Aaron judge because Aaron judge is not taking anything probably below 275 million at this point. I think that's a safe estimate. Um, things can change. Obviously there was a rumor, a really, really bad rumor. I don't know where it came from. I I mean, I think it came from the Dominican Republic, but it made no sense. So it like, it doesn't really matter where it came from. It was just bad. Said that Aaron judge turned down a $215 million offer from the Dodgers. Um, A the Dodgers would never offer that unless it was like a three year contract because judge had just turned down a $214 million contract in the off season. I know the Dodgers. There's this whole narrative with the Dodgers loving short-term high A.V. deals. There's only evidence of them doing one of those deals with Trevor Bauer, and it didn't work. They so love I, to offer them. They love yeah. to they love yeah. to yeah.
2: pretend they're interested in players that exactly. offer them.
3: So I don't know where you know there there's this whole narrative with the Dodgers this offseason. It's like oh, they're not looking like to spend a lot, but like you know these short-term AAV deals could be in their wheelhouse. Yeah, that's in anybody's wheelhouse. That's in the Minnesota Twins' wheelhouse, as we saw last last offseason. Um, that's in the wheelhouse of teams willing to, you know, put forth the qualifying offer, not really anything groundbreaking or crazy here, but he mentioned, uh, a judge's market may not materialize, which then would make the Yankees the easy top bidder, which obviously plays into their hand. Well, it eliminates suitors because if the market doesn't develop and judge is not getting, you know, the, all these high dollar offers that I guess he was maybe envisioning, um, that means it's going to be a situation where he's just going to pick A, where he can make the most slash B uh, in a win- in a winning environment, winning culture. And I think at the end of the day, the Yankees are going to offer the most unless somebody does something crazy, which, again, Passon was alluding to the fact that that probably is not going to happen. Um, and it takes out a lot of other threats because, to be honest, a lot of other teams need more important pieces than, than Aaron Judge. And I know Aaron Judge is an important player, But he plays right field. I don't know if he's going to want to play a whole lot of center field. Uh, Teams need shortstops right now. Teams need starting pitching. Um, uh, Teams need center fielders, like very athletic center fielders, and Judge has a shelf life on how long he could play center field. Teams want to build around younger players. Judge, yes, young, going into age 31 season. It's different for other teams that will be in this bidding. So I'm feeling good about it. Um, uh, Am I sitting here? completely unfazed and not worried about the Yankees potentially fucking this up. Absolutely not. I think there's a very good chance that that happens at any point The, the offseason can always flip on its head. We've seen crazy things happen before, during and after the winter meetings uh, over the last 10 years, you've all been following baseball. You know how it goes. Don't pretend like any situation is not really possible. Most of a lot of, a lot of unexpected things that you're not going to expect are probably going to happen. That's just how this works. But um, in the end, I don't know if there's a more wholesome, all-around, all-encompassing environment for Aaron Judge and the Yankees at this point, based on what we're hearing. I mean, what needed to be said is that
2: there's a chance Judge could go to the Giants. There's certainly a chance Judge could depart to the Giants. I don't think the Yankees will get outbid by the Giants, but you can't rule them out. That said, he didn't decide in that case that he's interested in going to the Giants last week. Because Steph Curry called him. There will never be a press conference where judges like, I was all in on the Yankees. And then Hal Steinbrenner let me go home for Thanksgiving. And then Steph Curry called me and told me that winning is fun. And that's when it all changed.
3: That was was crazy.
2: Good job by the Giants, right? Like, this meeting was always going to be extravagant. And it was probably not going to have that much to do with contract totals because they know they're not going to have the highest contract offer. So that's why what you heard was they had multiple meetings. It took the whole day. Steph Curry called. Legends who were part of Judge's childhood helped lead the meetings. Of course they did. That's what the Giants have. The Giants have the opportunity to say, hey, Aaron, we'd love you to be a Giant for life. Don't take it from me. Take it from Barry Lamar Bonds. What's up, Aaron? Joining the Giants would be super fun for you. Anyway, take care. I got to go polish my head. Like that's what the Giants have to offer. And that's why what you heard was like, wow. They certainly pulled out all the stops. They had a lot of fun and games with Judge. You know, NBA players texting him. He gets his car filled with popcorn by the prankster Draymond Green. Like, sounds like he had a great day. But the contract talks portion was like, there's an offer presented. It wasn't formal. Formal offer probably coming this week. It was in the range. It should be, you know. Didn't blow anybody away. It wasn't way under. Like, they probably presented a pretty normal offer that – was an improvement on what the Yankees offered Judge
3: that last off season. You know how you know you know how you know that's the case is because they pulled out all the stops for everything else. If they had the money to offer, they'd have been like, "Here's the fucking money. Yeah. You don't need. We to know see what it. we know what you want." Yeah. So We're that not- that's how you know that this was a little bit more contrived and orchestrated. Probably, maybe too much. It's like the entourage episode where Ari does the pitch to Vinny, Vinny with uh, Vinny Chase with like the McDonald's logo, and he's like. I don't want this shit like yeah I want like a I want money and b I just want like somebody to tell me what you know, tell me what I need to hear not like I'm so I already know like I'm an icon I know that I'm going to be the centerpiece here I know that um you know there's going to be a lot of other opportunities for me to be front-facing I don't need to this doesn't need to be some sort of uh, schmooze fest
0: support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant
2: Included a fake scene from The Sopranos where Edie Falco and James Gandolfini got together to shoot a thing where they're like, "Yeah, hey, LeBron James is coming to the Knicks? Like, and guess what? It did not work because it was it, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and like LeBron wanted to come to the Knicks at some point, but probably entered that free agency cycle already knowing he was going to work with Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch because they played together on Team USA and that was like all pretty pointless. This isn't that same thing, no. but I think Aaron Judge is a pretty good idea of what he wants. He wants to go through the free agency process, which he's made very obvious. And he said last week he was looking forward to starting it, which means he knows he wasn't going to sign two weeks ago and he wasn't going to sign in October, and he's going to meet with other teams. And the other thing he knows is that when it comes down to it, the goal is using these teams against each other to maximize the amount of money he gets, whether it's from the Yankees or another team. That's why Mookie Betts wanted to enter free agency. That's why the Red Sox seemed content to let him enter free agency. And then he eventually entered into a pandemic, which changed the calculus a little bit, but still took a monster deal from the Dodgers. He did not take a discount of any kind. He wanted to set a precedent. Judge wants to set a precedent there. I don't think outside of the Yankees, overwhelming judge. I don't think they were ever signing him this off season. No. And that's always weird to hear from people who are like, you should have gotten it done when you had the chance. I think when you had the chance was like 2019, And they probably would have signed him to a contract that most fans would have gone, ugh, that's terrible. Like, because he was coming off a major injury in 19, had a collapsed lung and a a punctured lung and a rib stabbing him. And in 2018, he had a shattered wrist. The injury questions were paramount at that point. And they probably would have signed him to, what, a six-year $200 million deal or something that would look tiny now, but at the time, they would have gotten roasted for after the Severino deal and the Hicks deal, all that coming together at the same time. I don't think there was an opportunity to lock Judge down unless they wanted to offer him $320 million before the season, which they didn't because they offered him two hundred seventeen. million. And at the time, all of us were like, "Yeah, we could see him signing it. Like, maybe he's going to get two forty million on the open market. And we were all wrong. And that's why this business isn't that easy. So I think Judge wants to meet with as many teams as want to meet with him. And like you said, that list of teams is shorter than we thought it might be. And that's why he's got the coordinated I just landed in San Francisco video with John Morosi because he knows he's not going to have nine teams to play off each other. So he's going to want to play up this Giants connection as much as possible. He's going to make he's going to wink at you and he's going to make you wait and see to drum up a little bit of drama because right now you've got Passon trying to rain on the parade saying Yankees makes all the sense in the world and the Yankees do make all the sense in the world and they probably still are the leaders in the clubhouse and Judge is going to do all he can to make sure that it's not quite so obvious leading up to the finish line. The Giants could sign him, but if they do, it's going to be because they outbid the Yankees and Hal Steinbrenner was lying to you. It's not going to be because Steph Curry
3: has a great Memoji. <laughs> you look at the uh, the Giants' situation, too. and first of all, I, I talked about this in the Steph Curry thing I wrote on the site. If Tom Brady couldn't get Kevin Durant to come to the Celtics, do you think a Red Sox fan and Steph Curry is going to convince Aaron Judge to go to the Giants? Um the, you look at the Giants roster, right? And um, I – look, look. I know the Giants have won a shitload uh, of World Series in recent history. They won three in that, what, five-year span or whatever it was? Uh they have,
2: even year magic,
3: uh, yeah. 10, 12, 14. Yeah. 10, 12, 14. Since 2004, they've made the playoffs five times in between all of those World Series year, They haven't made the playoffs consecutively since 0203. And in between all of those World Series years, they've they've missed the playoffs before and after them. Um, Their last appearance in the postseason uh, before last year when they won the division was 2016 when they lost to the Cubs. And we're all coming to realization now that the 2021 season for the Giants, and I hope there's Dodgers fans in here because they're going to appreciate us saying this, is it was a total fluke. And I understand that it was a 107 win season. It was the most wins in their franchise history. It's something that we've never, we, we've never seen from a, a team kind of constructed like that. I think um, it just goes to show that it was, you look deeper into the numbers, right? They had resurgent Renaissance seasons from Brandon Crawford, from Brandon belt, from Evan Longoria, uh, from Buster Posey, who's no longer there. Um, uh, Mike Yastrzemski had a. I, uh, was it Mike Yastrzemski or it was somebody? It was some other ridiculous player, like maybe uh, Austin Slater or something. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. had a great year. Mm-hmm. It, the, everything fell into place exactly how they needed it to, and even unexpected great things happened for them, which you're never going to get in unison probably ever again. So for Aaron Judge to look at the core right now, which essentially consists of what Yastrzemski. Jock Peterson for one year, Um, uh, Lamont Wade coming back from injury. Uh, I don't even know what the – are you counting Joey Bart as anything? Um, Yeah, they don't – the prospects that they have knocking on the door of MLB aren't really that promising. I think the Giants coming into the offseason ranked – Don't don't quote me on this. It's like between 18 and 22. I was reading about it last week because I was trying to get – trying to understand here, like, what's the appeal to the Giants outside of money? Um, And you look at the roster and, look, we will criticize the Yankees' roster up and down. We could probably make a a month-long episode about it because we were talking about how this roster is flawed, um, how the money was spent incorrectly all the time. But this roster has nothing, and the payroll for them – is really like they don't have that much to spend based on what they need. They still need starting pitching. They still need bullpen. They need infield, outfield help. Um, they need depth. They don't have any of it. So for Aaron Judge to accept anything under $350 million from the Giants, assuming the Yankees wouldn't be willing to match it, seems insane to me unless he really wants to go home. Um, I don't see a reason here uh, outside of the money why – this would be appealing for judge uh this roster then finished 500 this year um they were uh, they, they're they're probably not going to keep carlos rodon who was who was their best pitcher by far um and uh there was another another bit from pass in that interview on the michael k show where he said uh farhan Zaidi, who was obviously a former dodgers exec came up to begin his baseball career with the Oakland A's. And I understand, you know, we look at him, we're like, oh, the A's, they're cheap. They don't spend money. So that means this guy who worked for the A's is cheap and he doesn't want to spend money. No, sort of. He obviously has the means to spend money now, but his philosophy is not clogging the payroll with people making 20, 25, 30 million a year. And you're going to need much more than Aaron Judge for the 2023 San Francisco Giants to even compete with You you compete in your division. Forget about getting out of the NL. You have the Dodgers as your direct competitor. You had an NL West that you have the Padres who are better than you, way better than you. You have the Rockies and the Diamondbacks who I'm not going to sit here and say they're good, but they're trending in the right direction. The Diamondbacks are definitely trending in the right direction. You're going to have to stave off inferior division uh, opponents at this point. The Giants need so much more than Judge and if Judge doesn't realize that then whatever but I think he does cuz he wants to win he's a smart guy he wants to do he wants to go through this process maybe part of it was like hey let me see what the Giants are going to offer and then like see what else they can commit to other people on the open market maybe that was part of his thought process I don't know but beyond that it passing is kind of right it seems like Yan- it, this is the Yankees to fuck up that's all I'm trying to say It is funny that Everyone agrees the end
2: of the judge contract is going to be bad, that the Yankees are going to have to, like, sign a poison pill here in, like, year six, seven, eight, nine, going to weigh down the payroll. Sure. And the Giants are run by a guy obsessed with limiting long-term payroll mm. drags. Yep. And that's still there somehow the shoe-in team that's going to stop the Yankees from signing judge. Like, everyone knows the Yankees are, like, going to be pretty hard-pressed to maintain the fan base and build a championship team – without Judge being a part of it. And everyone also knows that they're not going to, like, if they stop at Judge, that's not a championship caliber team. But they're going to have to get around the burden of the Judge deal if they re-sign him. And the idea that the Giants, who are even further away, who hate adding burdens like that, have gone out of their way to sign even ace types like Carlos Rodon to an opt-outable deal after one year, are going to be like, year six through nine of Judge, yeah, give them to us. Like, unless they load this with an opt-out, or go, uh, you know, seven years for an overwhelming amount of money. Yeah. He's probably going back to the Yankees. Uh, but again, we just don't know. I think what's important to mention is that if he does leave, it's not because Steph Curry called him. It's because the Yankees were never as serious as they claimed to be mm-hmm. in the earliest parts of these discussions. If they are, he's probably coming back here. And he's Anthony Rizzo's already back here. So th- that's still important, too. It's like there's no, there's no mass exodus planned. There's no way that like Rizzo leaves, Judge leaves. Yankees don't spend any money on anybody. Like they turtle, they tank the season. Rizzo committed two weeks ago. So it's not a shoe in. It's not that Judge is definitely going to follow his best friend all the way back to New York, no matter what the Giants' offer is. But the Yankees did sign Rizzo and say, hey, we're not going away. Rizzo said he wanted to be here. He's here. I don't know what they're saying to Aaron Judge, but I do know that they're not waiting on both of them. They're not like, well, we'll just let them both go and then fold up shop. Rizzo's already back. So see what judge wants to do. Uh, rumor has he's going to sign by the end of the winter meetings. Rumors even claimed it might come before. He's got that Giants offer probably at this point. The formal offer's probably been exchanged. Do the Dodgers show up or not? Is there a mystery team? Doesn't seem like it. And then I think we could probably get this sorted by next week. Uh, and speaking of Anthony Rizzo, Remember when the Astros chased him for like one night and then the literal next day the Yankees signed him and it was like, ah, oh, great. Well, you know, the Astros are going to have to pivot, I guess. Well, they pivoted to somebody who put up, uh, you know, four, <laughs> four war offensively at first base last year to replace a guy who basically took away offensive war during the regular season. The Astros can get blood from a stone. The Astros can make anybody perform. Yuli Gurriel was terrible, 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 below replacement level terrible in the regular season last year. And when the playoffs came around, he was still fearsome. You still feared him. He did a good job. So are the Astros, who just signed Jose Abreu about 20 minutes before this podcast started, are they scarier today than they were yesterday? A little bit, negligibly so, but only because they were already the best team in baseball by a wide margin, with the best pitching in baseball, with the ability to print pitchers who can do what Fran, uh, Framber Valdez does. Yeah. Like over and over and over again. They already lost Verlander in 2021 and it left them one ace short, and then they made the World Series anyway, and they came back from 2-1 down against the Red Sox and won the ALCS. This year, they had Verlander, and then Framber, and then Luis Garcia, and then McCullers, and just an endless stream of guys who do the exact same thing, and they fell down 2-1 in the World Series again. That was a little odd. Then they just sort of effortlessly dispatched the Phillies three games in a row, flicking them away. They did it with offense. They did it with timely hitting. They did it with great defense, and now they're going to do it with Jose Abreu. Did the Astros get a better first baseman than the Yankees? Abreu's 36. Stack has numbers show his ability to handle velocity might be trending down. He is not a good defender, not a runner, arm strength in the lowest percentile possible, not a perfect player, a great DH as time marches on. The Astros certainly got better today, but again, they were already the peak. They were the gold standard. I guess that's why I'm not relieved. I'm not... Tearing my hair out, I don't have a lot of faith in the New York Yankees to surpass the Astros in 2023 unless bad things start happening to them. Framber Valdez, Tommy John surgery, Jeremy Pena regression, who, again, wasn't that good during the regular season. Like, six or seven uh, bad things piling up are what's necessary to sink the Astros at this point. The Abreu signing doesn't change that. That being said, (laughs) it's a pretty good baseball player, and the Astros just got another really talented superstar.
3: Yeah, they did. Um, the only positive here, uh, if you're going to even call – and look, I'm not – am I concerned with the – I'm not living my life based on what the Astros are doing in the offseason, right? Um, I care about the Yanke- what the Yankees do. The Yan- What the Yankees do directly impacts me. What the Astros do indirectly impacts me. How the Yankees respond to the Astros impacts me. I'd like to see maybe a response to this. I know the Yankees bringing back Anthony Rizzo was huge, but that was just them maintaining the status quo here – they replaced Yuli Gurriel with Abreu. Now, what are the pros and cons? You had Gurriel, who played in 85 postseason games. He hit 267 with a 711 OPS. Um, that's considerable. He struck out only 34 times in 355 plate appearances. Uh, he was an asset for them in almost every single postseason series they had, um, especially as, um, as the... Uh, as the series as their playoff runs got deeper um so that's one thing uh guriel was heading into age 39 season um and he was obviously not uh he wasn't anything special he won the fucking batting title in 2021 what the fuck dude
2: the mvp in 2020
3: yeah oh no guriel so sorry yeah guriel i'm talking about sorry guriel won the batting title in 2021 And he had a big, big drop-off this year. He had 242 with an 84 OPS plus. Um, But then he was Barry Bonds in the postseason. Couldn't get the guy out. It wasn't Barry Bonds, but you couldn't get him out. He was blooping singles left and right. He was working walks. He was getting hit by pitches at opportune times. Um, So, look, you're losing a postseason edge, I think. The the, the difference here is that Abreu has only played seven career games in the postseason because the White Sox typically don't get there or go deep. Um, he's played in a, in a wild card and a DS, uh, both of which the White Sox were dispatched in short order uh, those times in 2020 and 2021 at the hands of the Rays and the Astros. Um, the worry here is that yes, his power numbers have gone down, right? Or at least they just did for this year, uh, 15 home runs, 75 RBIs. And that is coming off of a season where he had 30 home runs and 117 RBIs. Um, anyway, Abreu is super friggin' durable. This guy has barely missed any games across his entire career. He's only played in one shortened season, and that was 128 games back in 2018 when he was an all-star anyway. Um, he still hit 22 homers that year. Uh, you're right, though. Not a good defender. Um, can probably play first base for another year or two before he's pro- he's likely a full-time DH. Um But there's always the option for that. Who played first base for the Astros in the playoffs that wasn't Gurriel? Somebody else did, right? Always. Somebody else did, who was like snagging the balls out of the dirt, so it didn't fucking matter. Oh, Trey Mancini, Trey Mancini. Oh, yeah, Trey Mancini. Okay, so he's not there anymore. But anyway, if the Astros really wanted to, they could put a defensive first base specialist on the bench because they have the depth to absorb having that type of person on the roster. And then they can have Jose Abreu DH, which would probably help him more because he's getting older. It'll take him off his feet. Um, it'll help him concentrate on hitting a little bit more. But, yeah, he's coming off a year where he batted 304 with an 824 OPS and 133 OPS plus. Um, Chandler Rome of the uh, Houston Chronicle, um, he's the beat writer for the Astros. Uh, he made a good point. Um, and we know Abreu is getting older, but he's still pretty good. Um, he has a career 19.8% strikeout rate and 76.7% contact rate. Um, and the Astros' offense values putting the ball in play. They are not boom or bust home run type team. Um, so this fits right in with their formula. Um, again, not scared, uh, not worried, but you knew they, they were going to do something. Yeah. At this point, I, they were always going to do something. They just replaced Carlos Correa with the ALCS MVP and World Series MVP, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, at this point, they're probably losing Verlander, which is a big plus. Um, but uh, you have to just be able to roll with the punches at this point. The Astros are a contender. They're going to actively get better. Um, is this a move they, I'm they, shaking in my boots they, about? No, but it's good. It's a good move. And they don't have a GM. They're doing this without a yeah. GM. Yeah.
2: Yankees don't have a GM either right now, which yeah. is it? Ne- never forget. Never.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat?
2: Yeah, the Astros fired their... They gave their GM who just built a World Series champion a disrespectful one-year offer. He quit, and then they're like, all right, well, the owner's going to sign Jose Abreu. Uh, Pretty cool. Yeah, nice job. Uh, I guess it's that easy. Uh, I don't know what you want... Like, I don't know what you expect. Would the Astros to just sit out free agency? No. The Astros to sign someone who's terrible? No. I didn't expect that either. I anticipated they would continue to add good players. They are the hill you have to get over at this point. The one thing I can't get out of my head... Is the fact that I still haven't switched modes because he's a, a, a Bray was a Red Sox free agent target too. And I still read that he signed with the Astros and was like, whoo, glad he didn't go to Boston. When is my brain going to make the switch? Because the Red Sox aren't very good right now, haven't been, you know, they lucked into a run in 2021, have to lock up their two most important players before they're really taken seriously. Pretty dreadful last year, pretty dreadful in 2019, the worst team in baseball just about in 2020. Um, But I know that all it takes is a galvanizing force like Jose Abreu to just turn the fire on. I still thought Eric Hosmer was going to take him to the playoffs last year. So genuinely, I don't think as long as I live, I will ever root for the Red Sox to sign a free agent over anybody else. If I just rooted for the Astros to take Abreu from the Red Sox, or at least side with relief when I learned he wasn't going to Boston – that I don't think it's ever going to change because the Astros will never be a bigger enemy than they are right now. All they could do is maintain this standing. They can't, yeah. They've maxed it out. And the Red Sox will never be less relevant to my pursuits than they are right now. And I'm still fine with them whiffing in free agency and continuing to sign bargain dudes. Uh, they need power. They didn't get it. And Houston, did they get better? I mean, yes, they did. But... Like I said, like I've said about the Red Sox replacing Xander Bogarts in the past. It's like, I know what the Red Sox look like when they have an elite shortstop. They get another yep. one. If Trevor Story turns into an elite shortstop, it'll just be like, yeah, I already saw this. If the Astros end up with Jose Abreu, which they have, uh, you know, I've already seen this. They're the team to beat. They didn't get easier to beat, but I know what it's like when the Astros are, are leaps and bounds better than you. I just experienced it for seven years and it's probably not going to end anytime
0: soon.
3: Uh, another positive here is that if Abreu, what was his D WAR? Let's see, I have it right here. Yeah, I mean he's been he's been yeah he's 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 negative point he's negative eight point four D WAR for his career nine seasons. So he's taking a win off the board on the defensive side of things, um, and he's not getting any better in the ages. Um, and then you have Jordan Alvarez, who probably can't play a full season in left field two more prototypical DH guys. Um, but then again, offense wins. So if you're willing to sacrifice um, some subpar defensive play for all-star level output on the offensive end, that's probably the trade-off a championship team makes. Unlike the Yankees who put players out of position who aren't offensive assets and then do whatever that is. Um, Miguel and Duhar in the outfield, um, uh, what was the other egregious one? We had another egregious one in recent years where we were just playing somebody out of position. Um, oh, Clint Frazier everywhere. Yeah, Clint Frazier <laughs> everywhere. Joey Gallo in his least str- – or uh, theoretically his least strong outfield position. Um, Isaiah uh, a shortstop. Yeah, yeah Gleyber Torres <laughs> is a shortstop. Uh, did, I know DJ won the utility gold glove, but jerking him all around the infield certainly doesn't – it's not really a great thing. Um, Jay Bruce started at first base for us. Remember, never forget, talk about it, never forget. Jay Bruce was the opening day starting first baseman for fucking 2021. So this team has a history of putting mediocre to whatever players out of position and be willing to absorb uh, a hit on both the defensive and the offensive end, whereas other teams are saying, fuck it, we'll take the blow on defense and we'll just be juggernauts on offense. Maybe we'll, we should start thinking like that.
2: Jose Abreu would have had the second highest offensive output of any Yankee starter last year behind Aaron Judge, and he was just available to the Houston Astros, uh, who now uh, can roll out a one through six of Altuve, Pena, Jordan, Alvarez, Bregman, Tucker, and Abreu. Cool. Yeah. But again, they were already that good. And yeah. Guriel looked like Abreu in the playoffs last year when it actually matters. So what's the point? Playoffs, playoffs, are, playoffs are important. Playoffs are What's important. The, the Astros, the Dodgers have shown us you can go, what, the Astros won 107 games last year, 106. Like, what, they can get that up to 111, 112, 113? What happens in October is what matters. I, I don't really care what happens during the regular season. It, last year should have taught you that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, Isaiah Connor falefa is the New York Yankee shortstop right now. Uh, or is he? I actually think it's important to talk about this real quick yeah uh, cause there's a little nugget in john hayman's oh, column uh produced over the weekend that was just sort of another like water treading column that was like yeah you still think they're in a good position for judge if they get judge they're gonna stop talking all these short stops how much are they talking to these short stops probably not that much but they're at least checking in they want verlander they're probably gonna get outbid on verlander blah 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 all this stuff uh but then there was a portion in the middle that said if they do get judged, they're probably going to disengage with these shortstops. And then next year's starter will either be Oswald Peraza or Anthony Volpe. Weirdly enough, no mention so far of Isaiah Conner-Falefa. Now, really? I don't think it's weird that there was no mention of Isaiah Connor falefa but it is refreshing to hear that, considering the Yankees did just tender him a contract for $6 million for next year. Uh, and we said, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, you could trade a $6 million contract. It doesn't mean he's going to be on the opening day roster. It doesn't mean he's going to be starting. But there's a little voice in the back of your head going, they decided to tender him a contract like he's going to be in that mix. He was the starting shortstop basically the whole season. Yankees continued to tout his defensive metrics, which were technically accurate, but did not tell the whole story. He was bad at playing balls in on him. He made a lot of uncharacteristic errors. It got worse in the playoffs. However, John Heyman saying not involved in any discussion so far, meaning I guess the trade buzz is real or they're just finally committed to a $6 million utility, man, which does that mean they're willing to spend beyond like, are they willing to eat that slightly elevated cost and continue to go? Or are they just double, are they going to double down on a mistake just by saying this is an anchor on our budget and we're going to pay him for whatever reason, because we love him. Uh, it's encouraging though it's gonna be Volpe's not gonna win the job in spring training uh Steinbrenner said they're both gonna get a shot I don't think he's really gonna get a shot I don't even know if he should because DJ LeMay he's injured and you might have to keep Gleyber Torres at this point but it feels like Oswald Peraza probably the leader in the clubhouse to be starting shortstop opening 2023 kind of wish he'd gotten more of a chance down the stretch in August maybe when the Yankees had that big lead maybe they wouldn't have given it away either way all good things
3: yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I think everything's on the table right now. You mentioned the DJ injury. I think that's huge because then the Yankees would be willing to invest $6 million in a utility player. Um, maybe keep IKF for the first couple months of the season while DJ's on the mend. Um, we got an update on that, somewhat of an update. Um, Cashman said, I think two weeks ago, that they they're six weeks out from knowing if he needs surgery. Um, and then Chris Kirshner of the athletic talked to a doctor who specializes in this type of stuff, um, or at least is in the know about this type of stuff. And he said that the surgery has a 90% success rate. Then again, he did not look at DJ's medicals, uh, the MRIs or the x-rays. So you can't know for sure. Um, but there are a lot of positives to undergoing surgery. And right now it's, you're just like, why would you not undergo surgery? This injury has been bothering you since July It hampered your play. It ended your season even when you were supposedly healthy. Your manager didn't deem you'd be effective enough on the field. So what are we waiting for? Because the maximum recovery time for this type of surgery is five months. The usual timetable is 10 to 12 weeks. But you look at DJ entering age 30 season, 34 is not old. 34 is sexy and young. Um, Hmm. It is. In real life, it's sexy and young. But in baseball sports years, it's – especially for someone who's been on their feet for a decade plus in baseball. It's a lot, it's a lot for the, in the foot, it's tricky, tricky area of the body, all your weights on that. DJ is playing multiple positions. He has to be able to move laterally um, fairly quickly. So it's It's a difficult thing to talk about, but um, you're probably looking at a longer than a 10 to 12 week recovery period. Um, And every week you wait every week, you're potentially shaving off the 2023 season. Um, so if the Yankees don't have DJ as an option, it throws a wrench in the plan with both, in my opinion, Glaber and IKF. How are you going to trade either one of those guys? Um, if you Even if you have Peraza baked into shortstop, you still need a backup middle infielder. You still need someone who can kind of rove around. I know you have Cabrera too, but what are you going to do with the outfield? Are you going to pay that extra money for someone like Andrew Benintendi? I don't know. Then again, I think a trade is perfectly... Fine to be on the table at the winter meetings. I don't think there's going to be an insane amount of demand for IKF, but maybe you trade him. You hang on to Torres, or you trade Torres and you hang on to IKF. IKF can play second, can he? He has the capability to. Is that 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 that's a position of less in, less importance than shortstop? I'd rather him not do that. Um, but if the Yankees need value elsewhere, if they need to, if they see an opportunity to trade Glaber for pitching. They still need back end rotation help. They still need bullpen help. Um, they still need outfield help. They still need depth overall. Um, and I don't know if they view Glaber Torres, who's been a marginally a, av- he's he's been an average player for three years now. He's a weird. Um, guy. So I don't know. And then I just I think that you can you can live with any scenario here. I think the only scenario you cannot live with is if you're keeping Glaber DJ and IKF all of whom are healthy heading into 2023. That is dumb to me. It's a misuse of resources um, from both a a personnel perspective and a financial perspective. Um, But it's good news that he's not being considered for the shortstop position, and that means the Yankees are finally moving on to the correct chapter. Um, The first... Chapter was experimenting with Gleyber Torres fail. The second chapter was let's get a stopgap and prepare for the younger guys that failed. Now it's moving ahead with the younger guys, whether I, I think that they're just saying we're doing this, whether it looks like it's going to work or not, because we have to do something. And I think it does look like it's going to work. Oswald Peraza was a very um, aesthetically pleasing option at shortstop. If I may say he uh, mm-hmm. he made, some nice routine plays. He charged the ball. He was aggressive. Um, He made some great sliding diving plays in the hole when he needed to. Um, His instincts there were tremendous. And that's really what you want. You want somebody who has the instincts, who has the experience playing there for most of their career. Um, And then IKF backup shortstop, totally fine. Totally fine as a backup shortstop. I would welcome him as as a backup shortstop if push came to shove and there was an issue on the depth chart. And then again, You're probably going to have that issue on the depth chart, depending on how you use Oswaldo Cabrera. So IKF could still be of use here. Six million is really not that much money for a guy who can play second, short, third, be your emergency catcher if need be. Um, So yeah, we talked about this last week, how fans were like, oh, they gave him a contract. They were always giving him a, they were most likely always giving him a contract. The non-tender would have been a super aggressive move. um, And then it would have had the Yankees waving the white flag on the Donaldson um ikf uh geo and gary trade and you know they weren't going to do that because they never swallow their pride when it comes to these dealings i think the best news that we can hear is that ikf is outside of the discussion of starting shortstop he's either a bench guy or he's out of town be thankful happy Thanksgiving. reminder too that they do still have oswaldo cabrera and
2: that yeah. oswaldo cabrera is not an outfielder we loved watching him play the outfield last year. I, I was just home for Thanksgiving. I had to remind my dad of this. Like, if he's in the outfield for more than late-inning work or, like, emergency situations, something went wrong here. So, in making room in the infield, you also have to make room for Oswaldo Cabrera, who we love but who's not a starting left fielder.
3: Was that Speaking the tough like, dinner conversation? Yeah. God hey, damn I was, it, Dad! Oswaldo Cabrera is not a fucking outfielder. Not going to – he has no range. never done it before. He did it in September.
2: The American – the choppers guys yelling at each other. Um, Yeah, no politics at the dinner table. No Oswaldo Cabrera positional fit discussions at the dinner table. Uh, we love him, but he's not an outfielder. And if he's, like, your starting left fielder for anything other than, like, the starting left fielder went down, then yeah. something wrong happened. Uh, so. We love him, but when you're making your infield plans, it's not just – Peraza and Volpe, Glaber, DJ, Donaldson, Rizzo. Cabrera's in there, too. You're not banishing him to AAA. And he's not playing the outfield on a regular basis. So just think about that. Uh, the LeMahieu thing obviously changes a lot of the equation. But yeah. without getting rid of Glaber-Torres, you're still going to – I mean, Cabrera, Peraza, Volpe, that's still three names for two positions plus LeMahieu plus Donaldson, who they're not cutting date on. So I think you could easily see Glaber go. Surprised that those talks haven't been rekindled at all. Uh, I think a lot of Yankee fans would be surprised to see the Torres at 25, 24 home runs last year. I believe, yeah, one fourteen OPS plus four point one more. Good season. It's a, like this is a sour taste in our mouths from the end of every one season. Claybor Torres is not with like not an exception to that rule. Good season. Average ball player can be replaced. You know, slightly above average offensively, probably about average defensively. Uh, well, the winter meetings are on the horizon. Let's preview them just before we sign off. We'll Ooh. talk about them more in detail next week when they actually arrive. But I do think it's it's fair to just sit back and talk about what to actually expect from the Yanks. Uh, what should you be keeping your eyes peeled? What are you going to stay up late for? Because they are in San Diego again. So late night, weird trade hours. Uh, you know, 11 p.m. on the East Coast, things are only getting started. Only yeah. the second martini for a John Mazeliak. Like, it's all <laughs> way to go. Long way to go before the night is over. Scott Boris and his endless puns. He's got his little notepad. He's coming up with different metaphors uh, for all of his free agents. Cody Bellinger is like the guy from Up if he never got in the balloon and instead went into crypto. Why is he like that? I don't know. Uh, But that's the Scott Boris way. He'll come up with some other genius barbs like that. Um, What actually could get done that impacts the Yankees at the winter meetings? Well, Abreu, already done. So I don't know if the Astros are going to be making that many moves. But – You will hear from me. I will press Robert Murray on the Baseball Insiders later today to figure out what the next steps for the Astros are. I would suspect we don't have to worry about them making too much headway at the winter meetings other than potentially re-signing Justin Verlander unless Abreu just got his money, 20 mil per for three years. Kind of a lot of money to pay to an eventual DH when you already have Jordan Alvarez. I'm sure it'll work out. It always does. Uh, But what's next for the Astros? Maybe not that much. Uh, what's next for the Red Sox? They got to address their pitching. Nathan Evaldi and Matt Strom, their markets are reportedly heating up. That means they could go somewhere else, leaving Boston in even more disarray. What do you expect for the Yankees? I think it's safe to say the judge stuff will be in a more defined place by the end of the week. And I think the Glay Torres trades are right back on the table. But I don't know if you have anything else we have to look out for.
3: Yeah, I think we're going to get um, a trade for a back-end starter. Um, and I think that that's kind of, uh, a back end or a spot guy. Um, I don't know who it would be. I was kind of going to start my research on that later today, but that was what kind of came to mind when we, when we started discussing the winter meetings, um, I guess a trade or a signing. Cause you have Jose Quintana, who's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Mike Clevenger who just signed with the White Sox. Um, uh, th- there's going to be a starting pitching or like the first guy out of the bullpen move. Um, I think that that is going to be prioritized because you know how the pitching market goes, right? I think Verlander signs at the winter meetings, and then I think the dominoes start falling after that. And then the Yankees see where they can kind of pounce and get somebody who's more cost effective than anything else. And then they roll with that. They find somebody who they can value in more of a hybrid role or maybe even someone who is going to – Cashman said he's fine with doing Armand as the number five starter. I don't know about that. But maybe they find a guy to replace Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman remains the dude who makes 12 to 15 starts a year and then is a reliever for another 15 appearances. Um, So I think there's that. And then I think, I think, I think there's going to be a decent dollar signing for a reliever. And I don't know who it's going to be, but the Yankees need more insurance in the back end. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Mike. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know who it's going to be. Do I think it's going to be a closer? Not necessarily. I don't. I, I do not think that that's going to be the case. Um, I'm just pulling up a list right now of who we can actually sign. Um, you have uh, you have Taylor Rogers out there who's interesting. You have Andrew Chafin, Michael Fulmer. Um, they're not bringing back Ottavino, but there's a bunch of guys here who you, Matt Moore, who had a really good couple of years with the Rangers. Um, you have David Robertson who's coming off that run with the Phillies. I think that there's, it, there's going to be a multi-year deal for somebody, um, or the once again, or there's going to be a trade. Um, we talked about potential Liam Hendricks deals on yanksyr.com. That was, uh, that was birthed by Chris Kirshner as well. The athletic, he, he posited that that could be one of their big, yeah, he birthed it, um, one of their big offseason moves could be trading for Hendricks, who is owed, I think, fourteen million this year, and then has a fifteen million team option for next year, a vesting option or something. Um, so it kind of that's kind of not bad. Uh, you get a high leverage guy who can certainly handle the ninth inning, and then you can rearrange the deck however you want with the remaining guys. Um, because look, let's be honest here: Clay Holmes has been a proven commodity for. Two-thirds of his time here. He had a really good second half last year, really good first half. uh, This year, really bad second half this year. Um, You have Michael King, who's on the mend and is doing well. God bless, but do you ever really know with the Yankees and injuries and elbow injuries? Um, And then there's just general uncertainty with the rest of the bullpen. Um, The Yankees were very unpredictable in that regard. Uh, tor- especially towards the end of last season. Um, and you have to kind of look beyond this season too, because Wandy Peralta, who we loved, Wandy was great, but he was also like giving up walk-offs, hit- walk-off hits left and right most of the year. Yeah. Um, he's also a free agent after uh, 2023. Um, Lou Trevino, I loved. Is he going to be that version of himself, or is he going to be the re- the regressed version that we saw in Oakland? Um, Loisaga, What's gonna happen? What tenure with the Yankees has been the definition of up and down. We got down in the first half, up in the second half. What's it gonna be next year? We've had one full good year of Jonathan Lewiziga. Um, so uh yeah, what what's Clark Schmidt's role? Um is Lucas Lickey gonna be here? We talked about him potentially being a non-tender candidate. Is he gonna get traded? Um so uh, and we, you have Ron Marinaccio, which is great. I, I we've all been high on him. We think he's going to do a great job. Um but you could just see going down the list of the core right there um with Chapman, Britton Green gone. I don't know if that inspires confidence with the Yankees. I don't know if that is, I don't know if Matt Blake is saying, "Hey man, like I can only do so much with this. You've already seen what I can do. Mm-hmm. So can we get can we get another steadfast option here or someone who's at least coming off a year or two of really good play that I can work with. Um, And I think that they're going to want to settle that sooner rather than later um, because, you know, once the pitching deals happen, they fucking roll and then the Yankees will be on the outside looking in and they'll have nothing. And Brian Cashman usually gets ahead of this. So we'll give him a good compliment at the end of the podcast today, but um, I'm not going to offer any uh, offer up any more of that until I see some uh, action here. They do need a closer, but
2: any assessment of their playoff bullpen has to include the fact that it most of it melted from the inside out in the middle yes. of August and September. Like no Marinaccio, no Michael King, King obviously. Like a lot of the names and no Efron. A lot of the people you would call the most trusted members of the bullpen at some point in July, August, and September were not available. So, like, why is Boone going to Clark Schmidt? Like, yes, yeah, some of that is Boone's horrific decision making. Some of that's the fact that by the end of the year, there were, like, three guys. One of them was Wandy Peralta. And during the year, there was a time when we soured on Wandy Peralta, too. You were right. There was a time when it was like, why is he the guy in the 10th inning? Why is he giving up walk-offs? Why is he coming in with a bases loaded and no out to bail Clay Holmes out against the Reds? It didn't work. Like, he turned in a great October. He was the Yankees' Yuli Gurriel. But it's not like, uh, you know, he was the third member down on the trust tree by October. He certainly was not in July, August. He's a great pickup, a nice guy to have around, uh, but absolutely is not someone who uh, you can absolutely count on to be uh, the man who uh, ultimately uh, finishes the job at a playoff game or a scenario like that. Uh, Well, we're going to have more on the Wearing Meetings next week. We're going to be checking in with you uh, Monday and Thursday, like always, 2 o'clock Eastern time, streaming live on YouTube. You can get the podcast on all podcast platforms after the stream is over in case you missed it if you're not a youtube guy we welcome you we'd love you to be uh you know you got a loud home office you, you can't tune into a stream you know you got a call with the partners at two when you're like i want to always watch the stream but i can't because i got to present to the partners and like not a i don't know if that's that's your life Then you can't do the stream that's fine we're gonna be on all podcast platforms afterwards and if you're going to listen to us any week, next week's probably the week because it is the winter meetings. We're going to know so much more about the way the Yankees offseason is going to play out from there. Probably one more lever necessary. I don't know who, but one of those guys with experience, not a prospect, not Greg Weissert, not Matt Crook, someone we know and love from their work on other rosters. David Robertson would be nice. One-year deal maybe this time because he's getting close getting close to the end there. But he's an all-time vibe guy. Tommy Canely too available again think about that i'm thinking about that i don't know what thinking but thinking about it a little bit but uh you catch us next week and also thursday if you don't want to wait until next week two o'clock eastern time on youtube all the podcast platforms you can find me on twitter at adam wine thomas carinante where
3: can the people find you Guys, I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, we are both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We're also on yanksgoyard.com. Our bylines are there, plenty of cool topics. Uh, you got to hit us up. Get in the comments section, banter on Twitter. We're going to take what you're saying, put in some ideas, maybe a little hypothetical, maybe a little mailbag. We're always thinking about the mailbag. Have we even done a mailbag? I think one episode we did a mailbag. We've been doing this for three years now, two and a half. Yeah, years. We,
2: it's, it's been a while. um, and it was mostly it my, my my uh, groomsmen.
3: <laughs> let's just let's figure it out, guys. This is where the discourse needs to live and prosper. Um, but until then, we'll see you on Thursday. I uh, hope you have a good middle of your week, um, and we'll talk to you then. Hey, we'll talk to you
2: then. See you. Everybody.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels.